0: the Mandalorian pod here on Rogue Opinions. I am your dumbest third. In a more concise introduction, I'm not going to try making make any sorts of puns this week. Not just because I'm not clever enough to think of them, and or I'm not brave enough to take a risk on a joke that falls flat like uh, my co-host last week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about Mandalorian, episode 5 of season 2, chapter 13, The Jedi. Oh, this is going to be a good one. And joining me today is the Ahsoka Tano to my Anakin Skywalker uh, <laughs> Well,
1: thanks. She's pretty badass these days, so you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. I, and I can be, and I can be super annoying. Let's be honest.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, no arguments from me. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I think we can bring up uh, her excitement for this episode. Uh, for quite a while, but before we get to that, we need to talk about the most important thing to happen in wrestling, pop culture, just the world events currently. Anything happening right you now? This is take precedent over everything. This past week, The Godfather was on Stone Cold Steve Austin's broken skull sessions. And I don't know about you, Carl, but like, I, was, I actually I still haven't seen Caden's Broken Skull session, which I've heard is very good, and he's my favourite wrestler of all time. But, like, you seen you know, all these legends, people you expect, you know, was, like, people weren't expecting Jericho, but still he's a big enough name, it's a big enough to be on Austin's show. And then suddenly I don't know where Godfather was in it, and so like, I feel like WWE's listened to some of our grapple updates or our main news, or you and I reviewing NXT and both nights of WrestleMania, and quite a a job of it we did as well, not to toot our own horn so I, think they, I think they did this specifically for us
1: Yeah, I mean Godfather, our inspiration, our <laughs> idol the god uh, amongst gods
0: <laughs> uh. The man who fought to prove that pimping was not easy and for those who haven't watched the Broken Skull session, please check out. it out, it's well worth your time about 90 or so minutes long I think uh, and he just seems like the nicest possible guy like he's no bitterness for anybody in the business you know the one thing he doesn't like he talks about like he talks about like not liking being the good father and then we try to be godfather again after that it wasn't the same but other than that he doesn't shit on anybody he doesn't bury anybody he's just living he's just loving life
1: yeah he's He's just so cool and relaxed. And I suppose when you co-own the strip bar and, and then go on to start selling cannabis, you're pretty much living the dream. I mean, what, what is the complaint about?
0: I know he talks a lot, like very openly about you know medical cannabis and how much he swears by it, and you know how he's used it. He doesn't take prescription drugs anymore. He doesn't drink as much as he used to. But he and Stone Cold do do drink a fair amount of a bottle of Jack Daniels that's on the desk and just like so openly, you missed me this part of the interview before it even happened but like, the godfather turns 60 this year and the guy, the fucker doesn't look it
1: <laughs> he really doesn't, I mean 50 at the oldest I would say to be fair to him, so whatever he's been doing, he's been doing it right
0: absolutely, I mean he, he looks to me the same as he did back in the back in his peak as the Godfather, so it would be hard, it's hard for me to guess his age, but I certainly wouldn't have guessed 50, uh, 60 yeah, like late forties, early fifties, uh, a push. I would say like Austin says he looks a bit forty-six, <laughs> and <laughs> so you know he, he's looking good, for his age and he's just he seems so happy, and uh, also seems like a guy that's as happy as he is, and he, especially in his youth, he was not a guy to fuck with.
1: No, no, he was a a big, big man. They used to call him Bear by the sounds of it. <laughs> it was pretty pretty legitimately hard by the sounds of it as well.
0: Yeah, you, you say how he was in a, a motorcycle gang or club, sorry, and um, he he and a couple of other guys who eventually left the group uh, said how they were basically guys that would get called late at night when somebody in the group was basically talking their mouth off and getting in bar fights and they'd have to uh, come in and sort it out. And it does uh, just sound like something out of a fucking Sylvester Stallone movie or something like that or something out of a fucking Roadhouse.
1: Yeah, it really does. Uh, I like the fact that um, he openly admits that the Godfather idea came from his wife, He doesn't try and take any credit for it at all, does he? Which is nice to say.
0: Yeah, and like, it was weird that I didn't know that, but he, he explains it further in that he was gonna thank his wife in his Hall of Fame speech, and you know, like, you know, give her full credit and everything. And it, something else he was doing, and his speech went well. Where I think he was listening "Happy Birthday" to his nephew or something like that. And then it just it, it just went into the end of his speech and didn't realize he'd forgotten until he got off stage, which he, he clearly feels guilty about. And he talks about how his wife won't let him forget it.
1: No, no, and she probably never will but, I mean,
0: what a wife, I mean, whose wife comes up, why
1: don't, why don't you dress like a pimp and surround <laughs> yourself with beautiful
0: women, I mean, whose wife does that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she suggests actually having girls in her but like, it clearly is what helped make the gimmick and uh, the way they go about so casually, like, talking about how Vince asked them, like, very seriously, can you get some girls in and like his connection like to strip bars even before he, he owned one like he was a bouncer and he like used to like hang out with some of the dancers all while he was on the road because he talked about how the life of, a, of what their life was similar to like a wrestler travelling up and down the different territories and everything and so he was easily away get them in and he talked about like uh, trying out the Godfather gimmick on the house shows against Bradshaw and how basically they'd have like two minute matches to get the biggest reactions because you know would offer him holes that were backstage. They'd try and turn on them but then get clotheslined immediately. And then he'd gather himself and go, "Man, pimping ain't easy." <laughs>
1: yeah, it was just genius, really. Just a bit of, just a bit of fun. And um, if you remember the Attitude era, like I do, you, you could see the the, the wi- the women. I, I don't want to call them what they called them nowadays but the women would their their outfits would get skimpier and skimpy as you progress deeper into the Attitude Era and it'd get more and more, It's sort off with two or three and it'd be um, in cocktail dresses and then by the time you were well into 1998, the Attitude Era, it'd be about five or six, so it'd be in hot pants and uh, bikini tops and not much else
0: Yeah, I mean there, there was there's the odd one who basically stands to like Jesus, how are you staying in that outfit? Like you just notice them every so often when I'm watching almost weekly Godfather stuff for like Retro Smack doing things like that. Uh, like there's one on it who's gonna be on an episode that we I mean Sam I haven't had a chance to record yet, that Jesus, the, the expression breastfeed a crush comes to mind, <laughs> mind in some particular <laughs> And the,
1: and Jerry Lola seemed to be on the verge of a stroke every time Godfather came out.
0: <laughs> well, JR usually uh, was quite reserved, but every now and then he'd make a wee comment uh, with the whole which shows the the power of uh, the the women that he was, you know, he was bringing out. And you know, I often wonder how many of these women actually knew what wrestling even was, or they just did it because they might they happened to know who happened to know Charles Wright and just decided to get involved in it. And he and Austin like, both openly admit like. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was fun, but you know, I know I couldn't do this you know, kind of thing today. with you know the way things are now, it was different back in back in the day. But you know, that was the whole thing with the Godfather that he wasn't a mean pimp; he was a he was a good guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, they sort of laugh about pimps not not normally being sort of nice guys, don't they? Mm-hmm. And another thing, if you if you're as old as I am, you remember you'll remember him before it was the godfather and papa shango they talked briefly about that which is quite fun i remember i remember that stuff with the ultimate warrior and being sick and people with black goo and stuff i was quite i mean i was only been about 11 or 12 so i was quite into that character i found it quite um quite cool and spooky to be honest but it never really
0: got over properly i in the interview. They talk about uh, they showed some pictures of like a different look of for Papishango. They were gonna bring him back in '97 as as more serious, more darker, not really comical Papishango. And instead, like after they took the pictures and everything, after uh, they got he got told he was gonna be in the nation as like as Kama Mustafa, uh, which also was very short-lived. And also, uh, I found this out during holiday like, There was actually another occasion where they almost brought Papishango back. Where apparently there was talk of bringing him back in '94 to explain why Bob Backlund went crazy as he did in his feud with uh, Brett, that he was going to be revealed that, oh, he was under Papa Shango's spell or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> God, uh, I'm not too sure that would have worked, to, to be fair, but there yeah. you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that would work because, you know, I think we all know the truth that just Bob Backlund's just naturally like that. It's just that. It took a wee while for it to fully come forward because, you know, he wasn't like that and he's, he's like a prime run as wwf champion, but like from 94 onwards, the true mentalness of Bob Backlund came through and just never went back in.
1: Yeah, he was a he was a weird case, Bob Backlund, and Mick Furney talks about him in his book, like he was always like that, even off camera, and he said him and the boys couldn't decide if he was really like that or if he was just keeping kayfabe all the time
0: mm-hmm. and you know he, he talks about like I know he said right to censor and they didn't like it but he says how they want to tag it and he says that it was probably Vince's way of trying to make sure he didn't leave because you know he didn't like being the good father and everything and because like Godfather even though he's not a pimp and he's even talked the Dark Side of the Ring about when he worked in as a bouncer, he occasionally in the, in the clubs he worked in, the pimps would come in and he'd have to, like, sometimes throw them out. And uh, So he used to hate pimps, but, like, he managed to, he managed to get fun in, like, his personality through. whereas uh, for the same reasons he didn't think, like, but things like karma didn't work and that he, just, he was having to play a character and it became a job. And his whole thing was him and kind out of getting the company during the 90s was, I just left whenever it wasn't fun anymore.
1: Yeah, and that sort of explains why he would sort of, sort of suddenly disappear for a, a few months or a year and then reappear reappear again under a, a new gimmick or something. But yeah, he he was never like a, a cage fighter or a shoot fighter, so he never really felt completely comfortable with the uh, the karma the karma calm, ultimate was it ultimate fighting
0: machine gimmick? Yeah supreme Yeah, machine. Supreme. Fame supreme. Fame. That's
1: it, supreme fighting machine, that was it.
0: Because they, I think, because they were, he was trying to get Emily a particularly UFC fighter, because UFC was just starting to gain, you know, the popularity at the time. Still a million miles away from what it is now, but it was starting to gain popularity. So they wanted to give him this new, like, if I can, they show. He and Austin watch one of his vignettes, and the and this guy in a very dramatic voice goes, "Tougher than Tyson." <laughs> I think it was like yeah. cleaner than, cleaner than like, or something like that. Goes even quicker than Vanda. <laughs> like oh, that was
1: hilarious. That was so cheesy. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> I know this is typical fucking like, mid nineties kind of thing to <laughs> just Kama camera, and uh, his main thing was fighting with Undertaker, which was cool for him because he t- he has a lot of stories about Undertaker and everything you know, And he has, also has a Yokozuna shirt on, and you know, he talks about the memories of the. Uh, of Yokozuna, and this is apparently Yokozuna's exact words where uh, uh, Cam- uh, sorry, uh, Godfather talks about you know, getting got uh, Undertaker into country music because he likes country music, and he said, like you know, you're too white and too big a guy to you know, not have tattoos, so he's partly the reason Undertaker started getting all the, the tattoos that he's got now. But uh, he said he, Undertaker, and Yoko would be in the car and thus uh, in some country music that Godfather's got, and, and apparently... Yeah, Choco was so into you know he's he's West Coast rap and everything like that. He, he took the tape out and threw it at the window and said to the godfather, like you know, you're black, right?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> I don't know. And like apparently, he even had got uh, he even told a story that shot me later. Like, Ron Simmons basically told them not to go to WCW. You Kids know, the areas in the south, they they would regularly go to. He said they won't like you there. Because, you know, they're going to call you that word and you're going to get into quite a lot of fights and eventually you can get into a, a fight you can't deal with, which was kind of a, one of the shock, more shocking parts of it. And they kind of brushed over it quite a bit. And uh, I think he was maybe kind of an enforcer in the NWO, but uh, he, he said it was kind of lucky that Virgil came in and basically did it for a third, for a third of what he did, which makes Vir- Virgil look like an idiot.
1: I know. Yeah, he it, it was a strange one, Virgil. He still is, but
0: <laughs> no. oh, well, what uh, can't wait to see him on fucking broken skull sessions, eh? <laughs> yeah,
1: you'll probably charge Austin for going on
0: there. <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah, I think it's pretty much like little key things that we we learned, and this broken skull. Session. It's still worth your time. There's still some like odd stories of how he broke in. Uh, down in Memphis and places like that. And you know, some other stories with him and Undertaker and you no know, stuff he's up to now. But you know, hell of a guy, yeah. the Godfather, Charles Wright, Papa Shango, whatever you want to call him. And you know, we couldn't let this but it's something involving the Godfather is up in the network. It's and it's a, it's technically current now. And you know, when he, when Carl and I are getting together before, we couldn't not talk about it.
1: No, exactly as we are, Team Garth Bar for that. Was it a two-match winning streak or a three-match winning streak? He
0: went, he went, he went on a three-match winning streak. We were technically undefeated, as Team Garth Bar because we've teamed once in a quiz and we won. So you know, just say that technically means we're undefeated.
1: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and we'll, we'll continue to at least a free a free win streak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but now it's time to go into what. Uh, we're all here for. I probably should have warned people to skip ahead a little bit if you're not into this. To hear us talk about the greatest and kindest pimp that there ever was. But, this is episode uh, five of season two, The Jedi. Uh, not written by John Fabrice Week, it's, it's written and directed by Dave Filoni. Uh, which makes sense, as he's going to be the, the main showrunner for the Ahsoka TV show that's coming soon. So, he was kind of, you know, helping to continue the story that obviously John Favreau wanted for Mando and Grogu, uh, but also kind of setting the seeds for what the show that he's doing with Ahsoka is going to be about. And we open on the forest planet of Corvus, uh, which is where poketan told Mando to take the child to. And uh, Kaladin is the name the city that we see. We're on the outskirts of it when we open the episode, as these guards are running away from. Uh, the, one of the first things we hear is the, an, a lightsaber igniting which really got me excited when I first watched this uh, when it came out and you see Ahsoka with two white lightsabers basically cutting down these guys like, fairly easily and fairly uh, little regard for their like, well-being because you know, it just cuts them down easily and then she has a confrontation with uh, the magistrate of uh, the town and basically says that she's after some information that she has And she tries to use, like, an instant villager to, uh, know, kind of get Ahsoka to turn away, like, how many lives is the information that I possess worth to you? Because, you know, these people mean nothing to me. And Ahsoka basically tells her to handle the information, surrender and give her the information or face the consequences. She gives her a day to decide and kind of walks off as we have Mando arriving to the planet with Grogu and he has this little, uh, little silver ball that's part of the ship that he keeps playing with, Mando keeps telling him to leave it alone and Mando goes up to the town and he's talking to this big like guy he says is probably ex-military he kind of works under the, the magistrate who uh, welcomes him in and then he and the guards basically take Mando to see the magistrate almost immediately because you know, Mando tries to talk to some of the people but everybody's just afraid, everybody's just scared to talk to him and you've even got these people up in these like big metal poles, like, being electrocuted every time they move. And the Magistrate, basically, like, they think he'll see he's still part of the guild, and they offer him a job to uh, kill Ahsoka in exchange for a spear of uh, pure Beskar, which is the same material that makes up Mando's armour, which you know he says his price is high, and obviously she obviously really wants uh, Ahsoka dead, so must show how valuable and possibly rare, you know, uh, Beskar can be if that's what she's willing to, to offer him in exchange for uh, killing her. And so, also, this military guy, uh, I think I've noted down his name, I uh, think Lang something is his name. He uh, basically asked Mando what's that when he sees it in the little bag he carries, he's got Grogu in it. He says, i keep it around for luck. And he goes into the the woods to try and find Ahsoka, who initially attacks him, because I think she thinks because she probably assumes that he was sent by the Magistrate 2 killer, which in a way he was, but he wasn't planning on killing her because he was there, like, looking for help with Grogu. And she attacks him, there's a brief scuffle, but then he tells her that Bo-Katan sent him and, like, she notices Grogu, and, you know, they're able to kind of communicate with each other through the force and Mando... Also, he doesn't know, i say, a lot about the Force now, so he's healed, so he also doesn't know that she's one of the few Jedi still. It's just, he doesn't really know what happened to the Jedi, in Order 66 and everything. But, you know, with, also I mentioned his name multiple times that we learn through Ahsoka that the child's name is Grogu, and you know, Bando says in the cell responds to the name, uh, and we've basically blurted out Grogu once or twice during this series, so I'm mean, not surprised to you, because you've all probably seen it but it was still surprising at the time to finally hear that the child had a name and, Wait uh, Wait, his name's Grogu? Yes I know, I was shocked too I was shocked too <laughs> But also, we kind of learned that he was around 50 in one of the first episodes and yet he's still kind of a, a baby so also his species age is very different
1: bit like me You know, I'm 40, but, you know, I've got the youthful good luck of a (laughs) 24-year-old.
0: Yeah, yeah, you uh, keep uh, telling yourself that. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Uh, I forgot where I was. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) uh, So we learned that he was trained and raised on the, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Uh, by many masters, but didn't say which masters, and said that someone took him from the temple uh, when the Jedi Order fell at the end of the Clone Wars. So it's like Grogu wasn't there when Anakin and the clone, the clone Troopers were storming the temple, which is good for him, because we we know what happens when uh, when Anakin comes across younglings uh, in Episode 3. <laughs> and didn't laugh, but, you know, it's true. And uh, he talks about you know, like his kid, his abilities hidden, you know, for a long time, you know, to protect himself. But she doesn't want to kind of train him, and but you know, Mando like insists that she does because you know he's his duty was to bring the child, bring the foundling to a Jedi, and you know, she worries about you know his attachment to to Mando, and says that you know his a, a, attachment to you, you know, makes him vulnerable to his fears, and. You know, I've seen what these abilities can do to fully train Jedi to the best of us. Obviously referencing Anakin, because it was Anakin's fear of his attachment to Padme and everything, similar to his attachment to his mother which helped feel him to the dark side and helped Emperor manipulate him. So she doesn't want to to train Grogu. It's better to let his abilities fade. You know, and Mando then offers to help uh, her Mando offers to help her with the village and take down the magistrate. Uh you know, the joke, no, a Mandalorian and a Jedi, you know, they'll never see it coming. And she takes a big piece of his armour uh, to the the Kaladin and basically implies that she killed Mando. And Mando then they listen helps save those people that were up on those poles and you know, get all the villagers inside away from the gunfire. And, you know, he and sort of he and Ahsoka basically cut down these these guards one by one until she uh, is able to confront the magistrate, who uses her Beskar spear to fight Ahsoka, and with her lightsabers. And we also we learned how strong Beskar because you know Mando's armor didn't take much damage uh, during the fight, but is able to the spear is able to hold up against the lightsaber. I think she cuts a little bit off the bottom, but n- still not much. So you know we learned how strong Beskar truly is where Mando has this lying character here they kind of almost this Worthing style standoff until you know they, like Lando's still over his weapon when he knows the magistrate's been defeated only to try and get another gun he's got by he's bad but Mando's too quick and guns him down and uh, we learn about the information that Ahsoka's looking for where she asks uh, the magistrate uh, uh, Morgan Ls best we know what her name is about how her planet was kind of destroyed in the in the clone wars and she let learn hate. She'll now. she basically, like tortures others. And he her about her master. She mentions Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is also a key name in the, the Star Wars universe, kind of the expanded universe at least. Uh, Mando uh, doesn't want to take the spear when I took offers it to him? Say like that was all, That was maybe my payment for a job, which was to kill you. But my job, the job wasn't complete. She didn't? Yeah, maybe. But this is best guy. It belongs with a Mandalorian and Ahsoka still doesn't like to keep, take Grogu with her because obviously like when you try to train with him he was still very hesitant but he, he, he was able to use the force when Mando offered him the little silver thing from the ship and it's also like she worries about their attachment and she says and take him to the planet Tython where there's a remains of an old temple where Grogu can make contact through the force and try and reach out to any other Jedi you know, there, there aren't that many left, but if one senses them, maybe they'll come looking for them. And you know, Mando flies off with Grogu, and we, we stay on Ahsoka, who similarly may be staying on the planet. We don't know, depends on the Ahsoka use to so where that picks up, or that picks up right around where, where this episode left off, where she left off. If she's going to stay on the planet or she's going to be on the search now for if her grandad must on because you know, if she asked the question, like, asked where he is, but. We don't hear the Magistrate's answer. We don't even know if the Magistrate got killed after Ahsoka asked So, you know, we don't know if she gave him location if so maybe she'll be on the lookout for, to be on the search for Thrawn at the start of the, the new series. But, uh honestly, we'll talk about the character of Ahsoka in a second, because uh, I you catch my breath after that fucking synopsis. And But, honestly, how did you feel like hearing Ahsoka was going to be part of the show, and how did you think she fit into the kind of, uh uh, this episode and the dynamic with Mando? Well,
1: uh, well I was nonplussed, if I'm honest, because uh, I hadn't watched Clone Wars yet at this point. I knew very little about Ahsoka Tano. Uh, I knew she was um, Anakin's Padawan on Clone Wars, but that was about it, really. So uh, initially, I wasn't that excited because, you know, I was uninitiated. What much to learn I had, <laughs> but yeah. now, but now I've watched Clone Wars and I've also watched um, Star Wars Rebels. I can I appreciate it a lot more, and uh, yeah, it's such a it's such a good episode, and it is really cool. In hindsight, after watching Clone Wars and everything, um, seeing Ahsoka played, you know, played by a, a, a living person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should mention Rosario Dawson plays the role of Ahsoka in in this show, and i got to say she, she plays it very well, you know, people weren't sure how, uh, what was uh, she's going to be portrayed, but, you know, she is very different, obviously, Ahsoka from what we've seen in the Clone Wars. She's basically this older, kind of wiser Ahsoka, kind of more wary after, you know, seeing the Jedi fall and her former master turn into to Darth Vader. And, no, I've got to say, no, you know, Rosario Dawson, like, I think really kills it as, as Ahsoka, and also aesthetically with the makeup and the prosthetics that they've, they've used, they've really helped capture the look. You know, so we talked about how good Kay Sackhoff looked, you know, like, being faithful to the look of Bokatan for the animation, they really went the extra mile to make sure Ahsoka looked right.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it was also, it was also a role that Sarah Dawson was really keen to play. She put her name forward to play this role because she saw she saw soccer as a a really cool role model for for young women. So, uh, so yeah, she she wasn't just approached for this role; it was a role she acted, actively petitioned to play, which which is nice, no, which
0: is nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm a really fan kind of Rosario Dawson. Honestly, you know, she, uh, she was—I know she was in the the Marvel TV shows. You know, kind of was the one of the few characters that popped up across. You know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke times as a uh, Claire. Kind of not officially referred to as, but basically playing that universe's version of the uh, night nurse and kind of being in a way responsible for them coming together because also she knows each of them kind of individually. She played a really good role in that, and she's been good in like all sorts of other things. Uh, she was also in Clerks too, which she was really good in, and you know, I, I look forward to seeing her, you know, carry the uh, soapy TV show because it's good that she like ble- like she loves the character as a role model and like she's also actively wanting to play it. It's not just a case of a I'll okay, get Harry to play it because you know, she's, rec- she's a recognizable, you know, name, and you know, because also they want somebody who they're confident in to carry the TV you know, that they're gonna have because also they, they were hopes for. The Ahsoka show probably when they, uh, I don't know how much in development or talks they were to have this show about Ahsoka. When this episode was was went out, or when it was put together, but I also hope that David Filoni was hoping like we need somebody confident enough or strong enough to carry the show because obviously Ahsoka is going to be the center point of her of the show of our own show, and so you want somebody who can also carry that, and i was sorry, Dawson, looks like she's more than capable of doing that.
1: Yeah, and uh, somebody's not going to say stupid shit on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. She's more likely to call somebody on stupid shit. But I really enjoyed her in this episode. Uh, a brief background for those un- un- uninitiated, as girl put it, with who Tano is. Uh, Soka was introduced into the Star Wars universe in the 2008 Clone Wars movie, which I learned uh, not long afterwards was apparently not meant to even be a movie. It was apparently for what would have been the first four episodes of the TV show cut together in a way that formed a movie, which kind of explains why it's not the best. And she was introduced as, she was meant to be Obi-Wan's apprentice, but then she was assigned to Anakin with little explanation as to how that happened. Because she Uh, like a mm, weird, weird mistake for the Jedi. I I think,
1: I think, I have watched this uh, uh, movie, and I think what it is, um, she was always meant to be, Anakin's uh, Pad One, but they were just trying to because Anakin was dead against having a Pad One. To get her there, he just sort of not, he sort of yeah, lied basically and said she was uh, Obi Wan's. But (laughs) as far as she was concerned, she she was told by Yoda. She was going to be um, Anakin's Padawan, so I think that was always I think that was always the case, and they were just going to hope that they might bond and he, he would stick with her. So I think it was just like a, a bit of a ploy to to get her there.
0: Yeah, and so I think when she was introduced, it's fair to say that uh, intro the opinions by the collective Star Wars fan base was. Mixed to be nice. Uh, that's a nice way of putting it because you know a lot of people thought she was fairly annoying. I thought so as well. Too her insistence on referring to Anakin as Sky Guy was uh, not the the best. I don't think. But over time and over the TV show, you kind of you, her dynamic with Anakin, you know, it really helped flush out Anakin's character and helped turn her into a character you really wanted to get behind, and also created intrigue as to how they were going to write her out. Because obviously, this was written after this. Still was put into production after the after the episode that fa- fucking Elscott speak English.
1: <laughs> well, you are Scottish. I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh.
1: sorry, Scottish fans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry, would would like me to do the the Drew McIntyre Scottish. <laughs> or, the, or, also known as the Gerard Butler as well. Hello, I am a Scottish person, so <laughs> but I've lived in America for a long time. <laughs> so this means I need to keep that fuck up, my fuck up and inability to speak in the podcast, so I hope you're happy now, Carl. <laughs> but it was interesting how they were going to write out Ahsoka towards the end of the show because, you know, everybody knew that this was coming after episode 3 but in, in canon and continuity it's going to be set between episodes 2 and 3 but obviously Ahsoka is nowhere to be seen in episode 3, there's not even any mention of her so you know, I wonder like, what would happen to her, would she be killed off, what would happen to her and, you know, and uh, I think, like I said, she really helps especially Anakin because you know, Anakin's still very reckless at times And uh, but also there are times where like, he wants to be kind of that reckless you know, you know know, take risks, you know, Jedi, you know, he's obviously different from, you know, the rest of the Jedi Council, but also at times he know, learns that he can't, you know know, let us could be too much like him, and there are times where he has to kind of reign and be responsible, kind of like how All One was with him, and it really helps, what's out Anakin's character, it makes you feel kind of worse for him, because you start to re- really, you know, get behind his character, and then you realise what's waiting for him in Episode 3, and what's well, also... Shocking about the Clone Wars as a wee aside Is that the actor, the voice actors Who play Anakin and Padme Have way more chemistry Through just their voices Than Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman Did across two movies And yet How people- dare you
1: <laughs> The greatest actor Of a generation
0: Hayden Christier, Doesn't have chemistry with his co-star <laughs> I don't know. and it's shocking because you know those the two voice actors are probably paid a fucking fraction a very small fraction of what those two were fucking paid t- across those two movies to deliver what admittedly was not the best dialogue uh written for them by george lucas right that's
1: it i'm done you, you can't you can't i mean i hate sand it gets everywhere if that's not the greatest line of all time I don't know what is <laughs> see, see my performance A few podcasts ago
0: <laughs> Yeah but that came after you Mocked his acting ability <laughs> You fucking two faced prick <laughs> <laughs> you, you absolute turncoat i <laughs> up and found out <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable Where was that? Oh yes yeah, It's okay so across the, the, the animated series, uh, Clone Wars and also uh, Rebels, she was voiced by Ashley Eckstein uh, who obviously also doesn't get to play her in live action but I think Rosario Dawson plays a uh, is a strong enough character uh, player and you can't always have people like uh, 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 Katie Thackoff who can easily transition from voicing them in animation to live action. But you know, across the TV, like she had two, she had a green lightsaber in the animated series, and uh, then turned to, to two green, and then uh, in the final season of the Clone Wars, there was two blue, and then she had two white ones in Rebels series, So like she has here, although she lost one of them during the show, so she just have one lightsaber going forward. But you know, through the show, uh, in the fifth season of the show, uh, she's accused of a crime she didn't commit by. Uh, another Padwan One, just to go kind of on the run she's expelled officially from the Jedi Order she's going to be tried by the Republic but eventually Anakin and Padme and others like, like believe her and she is obviously found not guilty uh, but then she decides to not rejoin the Jedi Order and she to go off on her own and uh, that, which is going to explain why she wasn't around in uh, in, in Clone Wars uh, in, uh, in Revenge of the Sith because you know, she didn't like how easily you know, a lot of people believed that she did it, and even the fact that Anakin, even though he helped find out that uh, who actually framed her, there was a point where even he was doubting her, and so she leaves in season five. She's not in season six of the show, which was the last one before it left for a while and then came back with a seventh. Which honestly, other than the first four episodes, which kind of goes into like the programming of the clones, which is followed up on in Bad Batch, season six is mostly skippable, and Kind of explains why Clone Wars went away for so long, because you know season seven is, is fucking excellent. So for the most part, after the first four episodes, if you're going to watch Clone Wars, season six you can skip after the first four or so episodes and go right on to season seven, because then we see Ahsoka kind of on the on a roll and they'll make their way through <laughs> the universe in season seven.
1: <laughs> uh, the last the last four episodes are are exceptional uh, for an animated for an animated show. It, it's so well done. And, um, and put together.
0: Yeah, I know we're kind of going to say this is maybe just a brief thing on Ahsoka, but like, you can't not talk about the quality of Clone Wars because like, the second last episode of the, the Clone Wars features, what well, I think is probably not only the greatest lightsaber fight in the Clone Wars TV show, but one of the top ten <laughs> best lightsaber fights across the town Star between Ahsoka and, and uh, Darth Maul, which uh, apparently that was the only fight in the scene where it actually featured motion capture where they had Ashley Eckstein and uh, Sam Whitworth, who voiced Maul, sitting in on two like actors doing the motion capture for the fight so they could better understand what was going on as they'd be delivering the lines that were delivered during the fight and I can't remember the name of the stunt woman who, who did the motion for uh, Ahsoka but for that fight scene they brought back Ray Park Oh wow really? Yeah, I didn't play. know that. Yeah Ray Park born in Glasgow by the way but raised in England, so you know, not he's not entirely perfect, and uh, <laughs> and he's also Toad and X Men. Yeah, <laughs> he sort of uh, he looked like he was going to have
1: uh, a bit of a Hollywood career, but uh, Toad from X Men sort of killed it. Bless it.
0: <laughs> I know, uh, like so, and also when I, I remember learning that and then watch the fight, the uh, the episode <laughs> and the fight scene, and like you're watching, like yeah, that's totally Ray Park because the way that he moves and you think about the way that. Maul um, was doing the flips in episode one when Park was playing them. And
1: yeah, I mean that's why Ray Park was hired for the the role in the first place. They they weren't looking for an actor; they were looking for somebody who could um, make the fights look as realistic as possible.
0: Yeah, I think he hadn't done a lot of acting before this. He was more known for his martial arts, mm. and so so he's done other acting like he's done, but he's done most of the stunts as well. He, I'm pretty sure he played Snake Eyes in those uh, G.I. Joe films. But he's also, again, heavily covered up, so you wouldn't know it. Uh, So, yeah, there's that fight scene. And uh, Ahsoka Ahsoka comes back and kind of works with Anakin and everything, but she said, I'm not a Jedi. So, technically, the title of this episode is misleading because she doesn't consider herself a Jedi anymore after she's expelled from the Order. But she goes to Mandalore to to confront Maul and take him in and work alongside Bo-Katan. And Maul is annoyed because he wanted Kenobi and Anakin because he wanted to get revenge on Kenobi but also he knew he could sense what was going to happen with Anakin and he wanted to kill Anakin and uh, she offers Ahsoka the chance to join him and we could take down the true enemy but when Ahsoka learns what Maul plans with Anakin she refuses and they fight and then uh, Ahsoka leaves along with the help of Captain Rex who similarly is ineffective with the, uh, the clones program they avoid Order sixty six, Maul escapes, and then she helps, goes on to help the rebels. And as uh, a reoccurring character in *Kind of Rebels*, she doesn't have a big role in that. But oh, I remember watching the thing last at the end of. I think it's in the second last episode, uh, going until the final episode of uh, *Season Seven the well, If you haven't watched it, but when Ahsoka's on the ship, and both she and Maul can sense Anakin betraying Mace Windu and joining Palpatine, and they insert audio from that scene in *Revenge of the Sith*. That gave me fucking just chills watching. I'm like, oh no, it's happening. Because I thought I didn't. Re- I thought the Clone Wars he was going to end, which right before Revenge of the Sith. But no, like actually, it, it, it ends right in the midst of Order sixty six, and it just is so well put together. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it basically the Clone Wars basically ends with um, Darth Vader after after a, a crash ship, and I think he finds one of her lightsabers, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And he sort of picks it up, and you get the bomb, bomb, bah, bomb, and it, it kind of fades to black. It's just, it's just a perfect ending, really. And then yeah. there's, as you say, there's bits in rebels. Mm-hmm. as a bit um, when they're at, when they're in a space dogfight, and um, they're using the force to find out who this. Um, force user is attacking them and they realize it's they realize it's vader and vader senses it's ahsoka and he just just two you know these two couple of lines and he just says
0: the, was it the apprentice lives yeah because he doesn't refer he refers to anakin skywalker as a, as a different person yeah like he, he does it either. Like he does it in a uh, like we talked when talking with the Emperor in Episode Five, he said the son of Skywalker, knowing full so well that it's his son, and also the Emperor has to know that as well, and so like he even says to Luke when he tries to call a mannequin in the Return of Jedi, said so that m- name doesn't have any meaning for me anymore. But yeah, Ahsoka and Rex escape, uh, and Rex shows up as an old older guy in, a, in Rebels as well as an ally as well, and so he shows up as several rebel and sees dead and also then it reveals that she's alive and i remember hearing ahsoka was going to be being rebels before i even watched it and actually did and then it's before she showed up in mandalorian because like uh, i hadn't watched rebels yet when mandalorian came out and so i assumed i heard there was gonna be a, a bit in rebels where ahsoka and vader are confronting each other and i basically assumed that ahsoka was gonna die like she was gonna try and one last time to save Vader, but he was gonna kill her and she would go down a hero and then the end, Ahsoka's gonna be in Mandalorian, which is set after Rebels and the Red Death Went, huh? I guess she didn't die, <laughs> which is pretty good because then we wouldn't get the TV show, which I'm sure is gonna be great. So, yeah, she she's revealed at the end of season one of Rebels that she's this contact that they've been talking to. He's giving them information, and you know, she's been helping like the main core group of Rebels, you know helping against in their fight against the Empire, and she has a kind of a role. At the show and uh, she comes back towards the end of Rebels, as we talked about before. You know, Ezra Bridger, who also becomes a Jedi, uh, the show, uh disappears, and uh, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren want to try and look for him and Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so if Thrawn's back then, that means Ezra might be back. And uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I think that became more about the Clone Wars than that did about Ahsoka, because we're for 40 minutes then, we barely talked the episode at all.
1: I oh, know. There's also, there is, um, the moment where a So Vader face off on, on rebels is brilliant. It's so well done. It gives it gives you goosebumps. So if you're not seen that yet, you really need to check out that episode because it's a brilliant it's a brilliant face off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she like uh, it kind of seems like she blames herself almost mm-hmm. for because she kept trying to talk to Anakin and communicate with him uh, while on Mandalore, but keeps told that you know, man- that Anakin's busy you no. Know. He's back on Coruscant, and she feels like she could get gotten to him where she, he'd come with her, or she'd stayed on Coruscant with him. I think she was maybe come to Mandalore with him, and she feels like if she was there, she could have saved him and, like, stopped them from becoming Vader. And so, you know, I wonder, well, I'm looking forward to the Ahsoka TV show, and also Grand Admiral Thrawn, he was in Rebels as basically, uh, I think from remember, season three, he comes in as a basically master strategist for the, for the Empire. He's always so cool, calm and collected, and like there's been occasions where he'd let the rebels go, but ultimately he was all for the bigger picture. Where he's just letting them, you know, think that they've got one over on him, but then you realise, oh, like actually he's been playing the long game, and he basically played into his hands. And you know, he's quite interesting as a villain. So if he's going to be the antagonist for Ahsoka's TV show, then that's going to create a really interesting dynamic. And then the idea of him being part of this like formation of the Empire into the First Order is a quite interesting thing to look at as well considering what we were talking about last week. And, you know, know, there's also books there about Grand Admiral I think a bit gives you some background to kind of his rise to the Empire and everything, his backstory. I don't know if they're considered official canon because, you know, there's so many many books out there about about Star Wars but many of them aren't considered canon. They're referred to as legends because the main continuity now once Disney bought it over was basically now uh, original trilogy, like prequel trilogy, Clone Wars, uh, Rebels, uh, Rogue One, and uh, Solo. Original trilogy, uh, Mandalorian. Now the sequel trilogy, and some stuff in between. With this new show, and the occasional book uh, in between, and everything. So it's hard to know nowadays what's continuity, kind of an expanded Star Wars universe, and what isn't.
1: Yeah, and it's a strange one with Grand Admiral Fraun because apparently he wasn't uh, the, he was written off as continuity when um Disney took over. But then they needed a villain for mm-hmm. season three of um rebels, so they decided to go with him. So he's back he's back in the fold now as canon. So um yeah. which is interesting. And also um what what happened was um in one of the last battles in the end last episode of um rebels as robert bridger was stuck on his ship which got sort of ca- kind of like space whales weren't they I'm, I'm assuming you've seen this episode and, they, and sort of they, they sort of lost Ezra, so I think that's what she's that's doing, she's doing, and she? She's trying to track Grand Admiral Thrawn to try and find Ezra Bridger. So if he shows up in the Ahsoka um, series, that'll be um, really interesting, I think, because it's cool to see him growing up and, and where he's at and what happened to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, so he'll be he was still pretty much, pretty much a child almost in the uh, uh, Rebel TV show, because I remember talking about I'm not sure entirely how much times may have passed between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. But, you know, in Season 1 of Rebels, they're on Lothal and there's something called Empire Day, where the people are basically forced to celebrate how great the Empire is. And in that episode, it says celebrating 15 years. So it may not be a full... Because I know it's 30 between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, so it might be near enough that's some limit of time between the two. Usually if it's 15 years, when the time Rebels comes around. Because I know Bad Batch is almost immediately afterwards. And yeah, like so those books, probably, if they're not already considered canon, they probably will be soon. If Thor so is not only appearing in Rebels, but now in the Ahsoka TV show I mentioned, and Mandalorian, which are both now also probably considered canon. So they probably should uh, be. I've not read them, but maybe I, I probably would like to. So maybe I might do that when the time the show comes out.
1: Yeah, so was to say there is a possibility that um, the actor who voices Grand Admiral Thorold could could portray him as well, because um, he's not as well known as his brother, but um, mm. I forget his first name, but he's, he's Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Yeah, voiced, uh, him.
0: I've got him here, uh, Lars Mikkelsen. That's it. Yeah, the older brother of, of Mads Mikkelsen, who, ironically enough, has uh, also got a connection to Star Wars as uh, he played Galen Erso mm. in Rogue One. He and the greatest retcon of all time, he was revealed to be the guy who designed the Death Star to have that one flaw that could blow the whole thing up, <laughs> which, you know, fair do for the guys for were doing that. And also, I love Lars because uh, one of his children, he's got a son called Thor, which <laughs> is just spectacular. <laughs> uh, he's also known for being, playing the Russian president and House of Cards and playing Charles Magnusson, uh, a villain in the third season of, of Sherlock, which is what I know him from. And, if you see him in Sherlock, like it's basically a human version of what Thrawn is kind of like, where he's always stretching, everything's always always up there in his head, and you don't know how you know how don't know how dangerous his mind truly is. But yeah, he's fifty-seven, and really, so it depends. You know, if Thrawn doesn't need to be very physical. He can just be on the ship and let others do ether work for him. But it depends if he wants to do it or if they have an idea of doing it. Because uh, I know I've heard about Lee Pace uh, being one of the names mentioned. I've heard. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a name rumored, or, or is, that people want to see. But one name that I saw pop up that I actually wouldn't mind seeing in this role, uh, Jason Isaacs, who obviously we most people probably know as uh, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter franchise. I think he'd be a good fit for that kind of role.
1: Yeah, definitely. They're all. Great actors um, who could potentially bring life to this character, but I just think Lars, you know, y- you're as used to that voice, and he's, it, you know, it's so it, it's so perfect. But as you say, it, it depends what the producers decide and if he fancies doing it and and all that. But yeah, any of the actors you mentioned would be uh, would be pretty suitable to the role. To be fair, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I look forward to, it. and especially if, uh, if Ezra does appear and if he's. Uh, what, um, how, how he's changed since we last seen him because it, it's good that we can have basically, you know, Mando, this is the closest to what traditional Star Wars we've got in Mando so far with the inclusion of, even though she's not technically one, she is a Force user, she's not technically a Jedi because uh, she doesn't consider herself one uh, but we've had that, we've had, you know him sneak around ships kind of similar to how they used to in the original trilogy but there's also kinda elements of a heist film or other Kind of genres in there so which so helps set Mando apart. So we've got kind of this show and Book which was probably film that follow a similar kind of path, whereas you have this show which could be more a traditional Star Wars, you know, Jedi focused show. So, you know, all these shows can kind of differentiate from each other.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's. Uh, I'm looking forward to all these shows that they've got lined up. I just can't. I just can't wait for them. I've got to be honest. I'm yeah. fanboying like there's no tomorrow.
0: <laughs> I don't know if who who is credited with the actual creation of Ahsoka I don't know if Dave Filoni. I, know I he... think
1: he is. I, th- I think. I think he is credited with uh, Ahsoka's uh, creation. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure it is him.
0: Yeah, because I'm like. I know he directed the uh, the Clone Wars movie in 2008, and D.L.C. was one of the main showrunners on the the show, and he directed most of the episodes. He also voiced, apparently messy voices in listening. He made the noises for Chopper, the uh, the droids, and rebels. And then, when you, if you've heard Chopper uh, in that show, then you know what I talk about. He just makes weird noises into a microphone, which is probably an easy enough role for him. because He's probably got enough to be getting on with. So, <laughs> even if he didn't create her. He uh, he has been a big like, part of her like her basically trying to take her journey almost because you know he was big like, part of Clone Wars and Rebels where you mostly would have seen her now he's him taking up this show uh, that she's going to be a part of and the fact that he wrote written direct to this episode it kind of feels fitting because you know he's got such an attachment to this character like few directors and writers have to most other you know pop culture you no know, characters
1: it's a shame. Uh... It's a, it's a real shame the Clone Wars wasn't conceptualised in between the actual films, the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. and um, they could have had a live action Ahsoka on Revenge of the Sith because it, it might have helped the transition, um, Anakin's transition into Darth, you know, into Darth Vader and everything, rather than you know, told over. Three films, and it all seemed quite sudden and forced in the end, which I don't think was helped by George Lucas changing his mind on how it was going to happen as well last minute.
0: I think George Lucas. I think the biggest thing with the prequels is George Lucas getting too confident in his own ability because you know he directed Episode Four, uh, and yet had no faith in it was going to be successful. And then uh, Lawrence Kasdan was the main director for uh, for Empire and. Return of the Jedi, and I think, obviously then, by the time the prequels come around, you know, uh, Star Wars is his biggest thing, so George Lucas now takes in, kind of like Vince, he can't let go of control for it Has to write it all himself. I mean, I'm not saying that somebody wrote a better script for Attack of the Clones and uh, George Lucas ripped it up in front of them and rewrote it all himself. I'm just going to put it out there into the universe and you make up your own minds. And then and
1: then Disney comes along and buys it.
0: <laughs> could, could we say several
1: effects here? <laughs> uh,
0: I know, I do love that so many people hated everything, and yet there were some people who didn't like the direction of the sequel trilogy and were asking for him to come back. Like, no, I don't want to hear what Finn and Ray's opinions are on Sand. I think we're better to this <laughs> to but, you know, but he still gets the credits, you know, for it. Because you know, whenever you see Star Wars things now, it says they like, based on the characters created by George Lucas and everything. Uh, also, I don't know if you've heard the story, but I took a bit of it, the lack of confidence Lucas had in, uh, in Star Wars. You know, he didn't go to the premiere for A New Hope. He went on holiday. With, we, he and Steven Spielberg were pals, so their families went on holiday. And while they were there, they put together the first draft of Raiders.
1: All oh, right, I didn't realise that. So uh, yeah. yeah, I know. I know they were so. Um, uh, they thought so little of it. They signed away all the uh, merchandising rights to George Lucas. So I imagine. Yeah. I imagine someone got fired over that one. <laughs> uh,
0: I hope someone got fired for that blunder. <laughs> but. Also uh, in two percent or so or at least one and a half percent apparently of those merchandise uh, rates rights went to Alec Guinness to help you know coax them in and also to get uh, to come back for uh, as a force cause in the subsequent subsequent films because you know he was even though he did such a good job in it uh the fucking the guy did not like Star Wars at all <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no he didn't quite he didn't really understand. The, the dialogue or, or much about it, but I think he came to sort of respect it
0: um,
1: late, later on in life.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are relatives that have still kind of collecting money from Star Wars almost today, I think, which is amazing. I think, imagine being there, uh, well, your granddad was Alec Guinness, So he's in this film that he hated, but they gave him this merchandise, right, money, and your, that now goes to you. like... <laughs> You landed on your feet there. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you'll never have to get a job,
0: basically. <laughs> <laughs> very much. But you know, the actual episode itself, we've talked very little about. We just talked about it. it's kind of a soaker the herself and and everything. But you know, let's talk about Grogu. How did you feel when you first learned that when I finally started like giving him a name? Because you know, afterwards they don't really call him Grogu a lot. You know, like Mando still kind of calls him the kid and everything. But hey. Well, they're, they're, I'm conflicted because part of me like is happy we finally got a name because you know, it's something weird just calling him The Child, but also part of me thinks that maybe I didn't want to know I mean, I tricked myself into thinking I wanted to know but maybe secretly I didn't want to know
1: Yeah, it, it's a weird one because um, it's not exactly a, a name that rolls off the tongue either, maybe it's the... A, couple of a, more, a name of a bit more pizzazz, it'd be a different story, I don't know, but, yeah, he needed to have a name, I think it is cool to to find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, interesting to know that he'd been trained for many years at the uh, Empire, uh, Empire the, the Jedi Temple, mm-hmm. which I suppose when he's 50, he, he could have had a, a fair bit of training by now.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was
1: interesting, it would depict
0: it makes me wonder how young he must have been if he, uh, when he started his training because, you know, all the younglings and when they detect somebody as a force user, you know, they usually like to start them, like, young, because, like, Anakin when he, how young Anakin is in episode one, that um, even though this is probably an excuse on his part because he never liked Anakin, but, you know, Mace Windu tries to claim that oh, he's too old to, to start training, so, like, how young what, what, what age do you have to be to be too old to train as a Jedi, exactly in this universe?
1: I oh, know, yeah, the, it's obviously one of those things that they like, they like to start young know, to sort of mould you into what they see as a Jedi to be
0: Yeah, and also creates an intrigue, I don't know given the uh, events of the, the end of the, the season finale I don't know if we're going to see Grogu again but you know, a, a question's still been left out there and you know, if it doesn't get answered it's going to be one of those great you know, unanswered questions, who exactly saved Grogu? It's going to be one of those weird questions, like, we're led to believe that nobody survived when Anakin's Stranger was shot at the temple, but, like, who the hell was it? Who would have been that saved Grogu? Is that we ever going to get the answer to that? Maybe, maybe
1: not. You know, you know, we don't need everything answered. I mean, it's fun to speculate. But, yeah, obviously, uh, a Jedi managed to escape Order 66 must have uh, smuggled him off the planet's to, I don't know if it's I don't know if they, they smuggled into that location Mando found him out Or he ended up there a, a little bit later on
0: What happened So it's going to be a long time From a if kiddie's ability dormant Because he had to have started young And then I'll say there's maybe a good chunk of time between uh, Episode 3 and episode 4 As we talked about before If it's maybe around for at least 15 years The Empire started rebels And then uh, 5 years after Return of Return of the Jedi Is the events of Mando and then the first episode we're introduced to Grogu. So that's a long time to not be using his abilities. But then also kind of speaks more to his relationship with Mando because if it's the first time a long time that he uses it and the first time he uses it is to save Mando from the mud torn, and then show and usually it's to help somebody related to Mando or Mando himself. So it goes to again speak to their relationship which then develops with the fact that. I feels like they've already spent too much time ago that they can't really she so can't risk taking him away from Mando uh because that might lead him down a dark path.
1: Yeah, he's definitely formed a, a very strong sort of paternal bond with um Mando, sort of seeing him as a father figure, and yeah, if he's taken it away from him Against his will, it, yeah, I'd say it could quite easily lead him down a, a dark path. So uh, she's reluctant to do that, especially after seeing him, her former mentor, as she sort of says, consider the best of them, uh, turn to the dark side if he was capable. Then in her mind, anybody's capable of going down that path.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, if they have an have filly trained yeah, I will have one somebody showing us him, but still clearly very powerful in the force if so many people are after him. I mean, you know, it's probably good for Ahsoka and the people of Kaladin that they left when they did because, you know, if he stayed with Ahsoka, then there's a chance that fucking, that Moff Gideon and the Dark Troopers would have been right on them. They would have had another issue to deal with there. But, in terms of, the main thing about it is to talk about, is Grogu's name being revealed, and also the character of Ahsoka, because, you know, the episode, while good, and all the action scenes, you know, Especially with Ahsoka getting to use the lightsaber and getting these Scout guards thing with very little remorse. Uh it's very formulaic in a way, the episode, not in a bad way, but you know, it's not really you can't really go into that much detail with the magistrate all that much because he's basically a villain who's there to then lead Ahsoka onto the main villain of her T V show. And, you know, it's given you know Mando and a conflict to deal with together. And so I can't I can't really think of anything about them to really go into that much depth about other than that she's basically evil because Mandalorian is all to need someone to, to be evil to go up against.
1: Yeah, she is pretty much uh villain of the weak material, mm. but
0: it's it's what it's what's
1: needed. She's given a bit of a interesting backstory as you covered um in just hypnosis earlier that uh, you know her home planet was uh, ravaged by the empire and that sort of turned her into and put her on a dark path herself and uh, yeah she sort of tortures people on these like the um, they're like s- sort of um, space age gibbets mm-hmm. where people are sort of strung in there and yeah when they move or Tried to move there, electrocuted. So she's uh, she's turned into a nasty piece of work. And uh, there was a very sort of um, I don't know if you'd agree a very sort of Japanese vibe about this episode uh, with the set of the the town with like the the lanterns, um, mm. the bit where sort of um, Ahsoka enters the, the sort of town, very sort of. Um, Sort of Japanese, they sort of face off and and their fight sort of over the over like the little bridge over the pool. Very sort of, you know, I got sort of vibes from those sort of Japanese movies um, from way back in the day.
0: I, I can see that, you know, the like the color scheme and everything that it's shot, and I kind of the look in the of the kind of palace almost that the magistrate lives in. And, you know, also, I mentioned before the Western style of Star Wars, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of Western, like the Magnificent Seven was based on the Seven Samurai, you know. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, there's been influence in the Westerns from Japanese so the idea of, like, Mando being kind of the gunslinger, but uh, Soka kind of technically being this version, based version of a samurai, you know, with the lightsabers and everything, or the laser swords uh, that uh, Mando calls them to, because I'll say, again, so uninitiated when it comes to the Jedi you knows there's very little about them uh, coming in and you know them kind of clean up this town so yeah it's very similar in that regard and it's a very similar kind of plot we've seen with Mando before like how he saved that town from uh, the bandits and the uh, sanctuary episodes and but you know again it allows for some really good action scenes and everything and you know it's not as choreographed as we may have said, like with that Clone Wars fight I mentioned, or in the prequels. But you know, Ahsoka, you know, she, uh, like I said before, she does not mess around when she comes to using those lightsabers. Like when she cut, comes around that guy behind the tree, where she cuts part of the tree and kills him at the same time, but with the kind of bit in the middle of the tree that's never been cut, she basically force uses that and slams right into a guy's face.
1: Yeah, she's she's. It's good to see how she's grown and matured and. Um, obviously events that led to and preceded Order sixty six, um, and the sort of world she's she's lived in have shaped her and she's yeah, become uh a a proper badass um mm-hmm. person. And we know she sort of bested more in that fight on Clone Wars, spoiler, and she held her own in Rebels against Darth Vader, so we know she's perfectly capable of handling herself against the best fighters
0: mm-hmm. And I'm interested if we get more explanation about, uh, about Corvus as a planet if, that, if we see more of it in the Toki TV show because, you know, the planet seems densely you know, populated you know, there's the woods and everything is very dusty, the town isn't even the biggest that they're in and so, you know, when she's working for Thrawn, Thrawn always has a plan and everything, so she's there and she still works for Thrawn, we're thinking what is, the, what is her purpose on that planet and does that have to do anything to do with what Thrawn's up to because, you know, it doesn't seem like she's getting anything out of, you know, controlling these people other than, you know, she just enjoys torturing people
1: Yeah, it's, it is a bit of a A strange one Whether that will lead to anything Or It's just a plot device To To get us to where They want to get to With um, Ahsoka's own TV show Where she's clearly Out to find uh, Grand Grand Admiral Thrawn Whether he Is lost somewhere Or he is somewhere Plotting It's uh, It's going to be interesting To find out And How soon And how soon In her series She actually catches up to him As well
0: Yeah so we got a long way to go, I think, before we even know when this show's coming out because I think... Uh, I don't know when Boba Fett went into production, but we were promised it in December of this year and maybe Mando shortly after it, but I have no idea when our is coming out. I think even if it did go into uh, production, because a lot of TV shows are still managed to have a shooting schedule even with COVID and following the guidelines. Uh, so if they have started shooting this, I think we can hope for it either end of next year or beginning of a uh, end of next year or start twenty twenty three at the earliest is unfortunately. Yeah, I
1: mean I haven't heard anything about it, not even casting. I mean even with um, the Obi Wan show that we've we've heard um we've seen the we've seen the cast and um, I think they're starting pre production aren't they? So um we'll have to keep our eyes out and see what information comes forth on on that show.
0: Yeah, because you know, I don't know if it'll be similar to like Marvel, because you know, look at the Marvel shows so far, because I don't know how many of them were start shooting before COVID, because you know, we had One Division, and within a week or so, we had Falcon and uh, the Winter Soldier up, and now we've got actually uh, next week, or maybe yeah, next week. Yeah, next think, Wednesday. We've got Loki starting, so it's been a hell of a, a start, so I don't know. You know, how quickly after one Star Wars show goes out like a Boba Fett, how quickly we'll get the next one. I think they'll make space those out a bit more.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling they might do as well, because um, they're trying to get this, like, Phase 4, so it, is it Phase 4, they're in it? Um, the uh, Marvel Universe sort of kick-started up, and they're going to be some movies in... Um, production as well at the moment, so I think they're gonna. I think the these shows are gonna sort of bleed into the movies a little bit. I think that's part of the plan.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because I think Doctor Strange comes out either end. I think end of this year or starting next year. Uh, and uh, they've got they've already got one division out, and that's meant to tie into that. Somewhere. Uh, I don't know if Loki will in any way connect to the next Thor movie. Anything like that And uh, I think there's going to be a Captain America 4 But uh, that's still Probably a ways off as well with everything else they got going on But Yeah, overall Is there anything else about this episode you want to men feel worth mentioning before we kind of go into Our overall plots and our ratings
1: Um No, I think that's pretty much
0: uh, Covered everything I wanted to say about it so far to be honest Yeah mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've been 30% on the episode and more stood on about the character of Ahsoka herself and just it's led, led us into all sorts about the Clone Wars and the oh, Witcher, oh. Star Wars universe
1: yeah there was something the uh the uh, the sort of the army commander he, he was played by uh, Michael Bine, who uh is best known for the, the first Terminator film and Aliens mm quite a well-known, prominent actor back in the day. I think mean, he had some troubles with alcohol and stuff for a while and fell off the radar, so it's nice It's nice to see him back in a role.
0: Oh, well, good for him, yeah. Good for him for you know, being able to get back into, you know, prominent roles like this and everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird mix of actors uh, we had, you know, randomly popping up in the Star Wars universe, you know. Like I said, you know, Carl Weathers was kind of winding down his career before he popped up and everything. But well, we spoke very highly of the episode in ahead ahead of time, you know, we were talking about how much we were looking forward to it. It was a fun watch. It was funny to talk about Ahsoka and everything we we're hoping for with her going forward. And, you know, it did help Mando and further his he, he was hoping. Even though he kinda enjoys the kidney uh and spends time with him and what's to maybe say, he was kinda hoping in a way that uh, Ahsoka would take him as she's also a Jedi but Unfortunately, he must you know continue on this this path with uh, Grogu before he can complete you know his mission to return to Grogu to, to his kind. But overall, you know there are some things that we've seen before in the episode. But overall, it, it led to some great setup for Ahsoka. It helped continue the Mando story in a, in a way that made sense, and also action-wise, it was really well put together.
1: Yeah, it's a really it's a really good episode and I'd say we might have found a few little holes where the magistrate is a bit sort of villain of the week, but she you know, she's well portrayed, the the fight scene's well put together. Um it's a solid episode, it's a really fun episode. It's pos- uh, apart from the season finale, it's probably my favourite episode it's probably my favourite episode, so my second favourite overall. I think it's a solid five stars at the Tokyo
0: Dome for me. Are you giving it the, uh, the full 10? Yeah. I think... Even, I'm trying to think how much... If I'm going to let the magistrate thing affect me, probably not. I mean, she could always show up in Ahsoka as well. So, yeah, I I, I think 9.5 I'm going to give it. So, yeah, 9.5 is what I'm going to give this episode. I think uh, I enjoy the finale a little bit more but it is one of the best episodes not just of this series but of like Mandalorian overall
1: yeah definitely it's, I mean Mandalorian continues to be one of the best TV shows uh, going really <laughs> yeah,
0: it'll be interesting you now when uh, season 3 comes out having to go back to watch it weekly again because I know I'm watching it weekly here but, you know, we're, I'm watching it in a lot more closer space of time for this show than I am when it's coming out weekly. And I'm wondering if that's going to affect my enjoyment because, you know, if, we're, if, we're gonna talk, if we end up talking about, like, say, the first episode of season three on this podcast, that's going to affect how we talk about it because when we talk about what's to come, we're only going to be speculating, whereas we know what's starting to come in the last three episodes we've got to talk about.
1: Yeah, it'd be it'd be quite interesting if we do do it weekly when it when it first airs rather than um, mm. like we, like we've like we've done it here.
0: Yeah, totally. So there you go. Like almost pretty much a perfect episode for us to talk about. Uh, even though it took an hour for us to really probably get back into it, because well. <laughs> we we talked about Godfather. and we gave the plot not of the episode, but then we've got jack pieces of Ahsoka and everything, and then we got back to the episode. Uh, I hope you you stayed on this journey with us, uh, and you'll continue to stay on this journey with us here at the Mandalorian, Fourteen Godfather, and that you'll support the brand at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and, and or Instagram. And I really hope you haven't been put off by, by essentially either my dog barking in the background or my father randomly not being able to go into a room and talk to people, but rather have me shout everything he fucking says as he's wandering around the house. Not if he can hear it. Like the, the struggles of a podcaster, you know, people don't understand it. Because hear your dog, I, I, I didn't hear your dad. So yeah, his, his voice carries. <laughs> uh, and I've been told mine does as well. So I wonder where I get it from. But, <laughs> well, if uh, people have just joined us on this journey of the Mandalorian pod, uh, tell them where they can find you and what else you do for us here at roger Things.
1: Oh yeah, you can find me at. Um carlos underscore fire 80 on twitter and instagram if i know the pods i do i do one with liam road chronicles um where we talk about uh, villains and sort of might sort of expand to sort of darker sort of films as well depending on what we do but we've got one coming out soon where uh, nathan greenaway joins us to, uh but hannibal that'll be released in a couple of weeks and my partner in crime today's gut will be hopefully joining us on a fanus one so look we'll mm-hmm. out for that that that'll probably be dropping in a in a month or so because me and liam over lockdown built up a bit of a, a back catalogue of these <laughs> podcasts and you might be able to catch the odd football part if we release the odd um, special here and there, but I'm not too sure. That's still up, that's still up in the air. But it's not going to be weekly anymore. Um, I think that's about it at the moment for
0: me. Yeah, uh, I look forward to getting to talk about Thanos. You know, in terms of recent villains, in the past, you know, five or so years, he's definitely out there to talk about. Uh think we're talking about Thanos as there was that time like last year. Where, much like Thanos, somebody clearly snapped in half of the stuff that we produced, uh, disappeared from our back catalogue, and we had to re upload <laughs> it. <laughs> that was a fun time for Nathan. That was, he, he deals with that shit because none, none of us want to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, uh, uh, most recent episode you guys know, did, I believe, was on the Green Goblin, which uh, is a good listen as well because uh, I hadn't really thought about Willem Dafoe's portrayal of the in a long time <laughs> but uh, he was really good in that role uh, you can find me here at Scott McCoy 1996, uh, for the Rogue Richard Smackdown review and uh, that I do here with Sam Preston, me and Nathan maybe, uh, we'll be doing the, my plan review that's been held back a little bit, but uh, the flight has been delayed, but we'll get to it soon uh, potentially some content I you know, mentioned this, being you know, uh, accused for a crime they didn't commit. You know, there was also a, group, a famous group in pop culture that we've taken the name of. They also got accused of a crime they didn't commit, who might be uh, producing some content fairly soon, which uh, if you've followed Rogue Pines for a certain amount of time, you might get what I'm talking about. Uh, but also, uh, our very own Rean uh, is uh, going to be doing a 12-hour uh, Twitch live stream on the twelfth of June, Saturday the twelfth of June, for the whole week, I guess on their Twitch, from ten am I believe it is till uh, ten pm, uh, to raise money for mental health charity uh, Jigsaw, uh, so it's like you know support go help so, go support him and everything. You know it's on our social media, the link to it if you want to donate. I'm gonna be a part of it. I'm gonna be involved in uh, some sort of movie review we're gonna be doing, but also sometime even uh, the evening. Uh, during the stream, me and Sam are going to get together for a series of debates which uh, I am very much looking forward to because I generally don't know what the topics are going to be so I uh, look forward to that. Uh, you can find Scott and Paul's at at Rambling on Twitter uh, whenever we get together to do an episode. We might have an impact one out very soon. Uh, Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat, you can find me on there at Suplex Retreat. I'm uh, on their two most recent feature shows, one about the best and worst a uh, TNA World Champions where I properly tear Jeff I a new soul so he's been the <laughs> as NWA Champion for the first five or six years of that company's existence. And uh, there's one coming out soon about Mick Foley that I was also a part of, which was uh, a lot of fun to do. And I think that's about it. I am working on a article of my favorite Clone Wars episode, which after the discussion we had on this episode, I may. You know, try to pick back up and hopefully get that out to you very soon. But oh, that sounds, is,
1: sounds exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that.
0: I'm looking forward to actually finishing it. And <laughs> and uh, I think that's everything we've got. But Carl, usually we sign off with, you know, this is the way. But I can't really bring myself to do that this week because there's something else we should shut up. <laughs> I can ruin my outro There's there's another way I think we should Wish we should send off Our our listeners on their way I just Want to say to everybody out there Who listened and sat through this very long Review of uh, chapter 13 The Jedi I just want to say to all of you May the force be with you Definitely
1: And don't forget Pudding ain't easy